Likuti Sikha is Chelik Tezayin, Volume 16, the fifth Sikha for Parshas Veira. This Sikha will explain the debate between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Lezer, which appears in the Haggadah Shul Pesach, whether the Makois, the plagues inflicted on the Egyptians, whether they consisted of four or five each, and how this applies to our lives. Just to familiarize ourselves with certain with some concepts that will appear in the Sikha to make it easier to flow through the Sikha. Number one, in everything in this world, both in the material, and as the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya in the first chapter, also in the spiritual, there are four Yisoidois, four elements, Eish, Ruach, Mayim, Ofer, literally translated fire, air, water, and dust, or earth. Um, this also happens to correspond to the four letters of Hashem's name, Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke. Incidentally, if we're talking about Yud, Ke, Vav, Ke, which is also important for the flow of the Sikha, it also breaks down in correspondence with the ten Sphiros. Typically, it's broken down this way. Yud stands for Chachma, which is the first of the intellectual attributes. Hey for Bina. And then you have the Vav, which Vav is number six, for the six Midois, that is called in short Zah, Zeranpin. And then the final Hey corresponds to Malchus. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, in everything in this world, you have the Choymer, the Tzura, and then the Choymer or the Koyach Yuli. Choymer means the matter, the actual matter, that means the essence of, so to speak, the material of what brings the thing together. Then you have the Tzura, the actual form as it appears in this world. Let's call it, for practical purposes, the usable form, the tangible form. But behind the Choymer and the Tzura, you also have the Koyach Hayuli. Let's look at it basically, I mean, to simplify it, as that bridge over between Ayin and Yesh. That means in between something being Ayin, totally not, coming from total, total nothing, to becoming something, and that something has a form, like I said, a tangible form, there's always like a, a Koyach Hayuli, which is a potential, look at it as a potential for the whole thing in that stage. It's nothing tangible yet until it goes through the process of being a Choymer and then having its Tzura. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with, there are certain prohibitions in the Torah. Let's say, let's take for example certain foods that the Torah mandates that they are only asur ba'achila, meaning you're not allowed to consume it, you're not allowed to actually eat it. However, they're mutter bahana, you're allowed to derive benefit from it. In, and then there are things that they are so severe in terms of their prohibition that not only are you not allowed to consume the actual thing, but you're not even allowed to derive benefit from it. Then there is something which is very rare and only exists perhaps by the Isur of Chometz on Pesach, by the prohibition of Chometz on Pesach, and that is, the Torah says, Bal Yirah, Bal that it should not even exist, it should not be found in the possession of a Jew. That means not only you're not deriving benefit from it, but you're not allowed to even have it in your ownership, in your existence. Another thing to familiarize ourselves with. When you open a Gemara, when you open a Talmud, typically there are halachic discussions, all kinds of legal discussions back and forth. However, on occasion, there's also what's called Agadita. 
Agadata, perhaps you can say, are, are stories, homiletics, the history, the story behind the stories, even mystical ideas. In fact, we know that all the, quote, secrets of the Torah are hidden, are laced there in the Haggadah part of the Talmud. In fact, there are some people that actually seem to discard the importance of learning Haggadah because they look at it as something as secondary. But we know, especially as Chassidim, uh, following the teachings of the Kabbalah, that there in the Haggadah is where you have all the secrets of the Torah. However, what's important for us is that according to the Rebbe Shita, which is based on Chassidus, obviously, that always the Agadata part of the Gemara will always connect to and be reflected or mirror itself in Niglav Torah and even in actual Halacha. One more thing, in the terms of the history of the Jewish people, we know that our history is divided into the four Malchios and the four different kingships the four empires, or four Goliaths. Now, typically in the Medrash, we find that it's divided in the following manner. You have Golos Bavel, then you have Golos uh, Modai and Poras, uh, that's the Persian one, that's the story with, with, the, uh, um, with Purim, and then you have Golos Yavan, think about that period, the story of Hanukkah, and then you have the Golos that we're currently in, Golos Eden. In this manner of enumerating the four Golosim, it does not include Golos Mitzrayim. In fact, Golos Mitzrayim is considered to be a Golos which is koilil, it kind of encompasses, it's the root of all the other Golosim. However, there are some Midrashim, it's even quoted in the Gemara in Ein Yaakov, in Megillah, and this is the Shita of the Arizal, the Kabbalah, that Mitzrayim is included in the four Golosim, and that it's, in, it's numerated in the following manner. Mitzrayim, Bavel, I guess with Bavel it becomes already a general Golos, which later led into Madai and Poras, so it's all inclusive. Again, Mitzrayim, Bavel, then Yavon, the story of Hanukkah, and then Edom. Let's go into the Sicha itself. So, in connection with the Makais, as we say in the Haggadah, there is a Machlekes between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Eliezer says that every Makkah that Hashem inflicted, every plague that he inflicted on the Egyptians, consisted of four Makkahs. Whereas Rabbi Akiva says no, it consisted on, uh, every, every uh, Makkah consisted of five Makkahs. What does this mean? So it's explained in the Kolboi, which is one of the uh, main commentaries on the Haggadah, that Rabbi Eliezer holds that every Makkah, every plague, permeated the actual existence of the thing. That means when there was blood, it wasn't just the water aspect of it, but all the four elements of that thing. That means it permeated, it affected all the four elements of that particular thing that was being afflicted. Whereas Rabbi Akiva agrees with that, but he adds that there is a fifth element here. And that is, as we said in the introduction, the Koya Hayuli, that he holds that the Maka was so strong, was so deep, permeated to such a point, not only did it affect the actual existence, the Choymer and the Tzura, the form and, and, and matter of the, of the actual things, that, of, of the things that were being afflicted by the plague, but it also affected its mere existence at the deepest level, the Koyach Now, what was the objective of all the Makas? 
In other words, what was the purpose of all these makas, of all these plagues? So it's obvious, it's clear. The purpose was to break, to decimate the Kalipa of Mitzrayim. And therefore it's understood that according to both opinions, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Kiva, there was a need to penetrate the, at the deepest level the existence of the Kalipa of Mitzrayim. That means not only the revealed part, the actual tangible part, but also going down to the matter of it, and that's why, and that's why it had to go in a very deep level. That's why they're pretty close in their opinions, and that's why it's either four or five. The only machlekas is the debate is in reference in regards to the koyach Yuli. Did it have to go down to there too? According to Rabbi Kiva, it did. In other words, the real bottom line here is how deeply. How um, how deep reaching, how far reaching, how effective was the Klippa of Mitzrayim? According to them, the Klippa of Mitzrayim was more than just in the revealed aspect of things. But the question is, how deep did it go? According to Rabbi Kiva, it went so deep until it's Koyach Yuli. Now, just like every Agadita, as we said in the introduction, every part of the homiletics of the Gemara has ultimately a reflection, it gets reflected in Nigla in the Torah, of the Torah, in the revealed part of the Torah, that means in the actual discussion of, of the Gemara, to the extent that it even has, it, 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 I'm sorry, it would even have a halachic expression, so too this idea of the machlekes between Rabbi Lezer and Rabbi Kiva, the idea that it permeates to a very deep level, we can find in the actual prohibition of Pesach. The main prohibition of Pesach is chametz. Now, in the idea of the Chomets of Pesach, we know that it's not only forbidden to consume it, not only is it forbidden to derive benefit from it, but moreover, the Torah is a special chidush, there's a novelty in the Isra of, of Chomets of Pesach, that you're not allowed to even have it in your possession. Bal Yiroa, Bal Now, let's see how, how this breaks down. You can look at it this way. Isra Chila, the prohibition of consuming it, that connects perhaps to the suras hadover, meaning the form of the thing, the way the thing appears already in a finished, as a finished product, as a tangible thing. So it's forbidden. What does it mean it's forbidden? That's synonymous with this is the ra, this is the bad, the negative aspect of it. Then you have a step further, which is Isur Hanah, the prohibition of deriving benefit. That connects to the Choymer of the thing. That means that the Choymer is the matter. That means even before it becomes a tangible form. That means to say, in the Etzah Mitzias, in the sheer exist, the mere existence of the thing, the bad is so deep that also you not allowed to derive anything benefit to it. However, Think about it. Still, the Choymer has a connection to the Tzura. Meaning, when you say that something is bad, and therefore you're not the right benefit, which means, how did we translate it? That the matter of it is also, at the deepest level, is so bad, and therefore needs to be eradicated, you cannot derive benefit from it. But still, that's only when it comes together with the Tzura. When it has now some kind of shape and form, it has, it has an a, 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 a image, it has a tangibility as a finished product. But what happens when you take it further? By Chometz, there's something even deeper. The Torah says that it's Baal Yiroh and Baal Yimotzeh. Because the bad is so deep, the bad is so deep that even if you're not deriving benefit from it, 
It's sheer existence. The fact that it exists in your possession, that's already a problem. That's already not good. So th- this already, we can see how some relation to this idea of it, of it being to uh, the Golos, of the Klippa Mitzrayim touching at the deepest level and how it expresses itself in the Isser, the prohibition of, of Hametz. Now, there's another thing that we can apply it to, and that is in the actual mitzvah of Biur Hametz. Biur Hametz means gaining rid of the Hametz, consuming the Hametz. There's a machlaikis. Rabbi Yehuda holds that the only method that works, meaning the only effective method to rid one of to rid of one, to get rid of one's chametz is only by through means of sreifa, burning it. You can only burn it, totally destroying it. However, the chachamim hold that it's sufficient. Obviously, they agree that burning is the best method, but say it's also sufficient. Also, would pass. If one is mefarer v'zoyer one kind of crumbles it up and just throws the crumbs into the air, just gets rid of it by now, rendering it unusable. So the Ragetshaver explains what is the basis of the machlekes between them. According to Rabbi Yehuda, he says you have to, you have to. The requirement is to be mevatel, to totally destroy the existence of the chametz. And therefore, if you're not going to burn it, you're just going to crumble, you're just going to break it up, you're just going to crumb it up in your hands and throw it into the air or throw it into the ocean. True, it doesn't have any use anymore, but it does still exist. Its existence has not been destroyed. So we're, and that's what Rabbi Yehuda holds, and therefore he holds you can only, you can only accomplish the mitzvah of beer chametz by burning it. Whereas the Chachamim, according to them, all that's required is that you have to destroy the possibility of deriving any benefit from it. In other words, the, sh- the mere existence of Chametz maybe is not a problem. The existence of Chametz as it is in a usable form, that is the problem. And therefore, explains the Ragachah, the Chachamim say that all you need to do is break it down in such a manner that it's no longer edible, it's no longer usable. So the Rebbe explains that we can perhaps apply it to the above-mentioned explanation of the Machlekes of Rabbi Lezer Rabbi Akiva. The idea, the discussion here is, how deep is the Isur Chametz in this particular food item? In other words, how deep-reaching is it? Did it affect only the Toyer and the Tzura, meaning like the form and the image of the thing? Or does it affect the sheer, the mere existence, the etzimitzius of the thing? And then in that case, you would have to go Rabbi Yehuda and actually burn it. Says the Rebbe, perhaps we can even say, and this is compatible with the Machlekes, as we said before, between Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Akiva, and look at it in this manner. That the Chachamim are the ones who side perhaps with Rabbi Yezer, that it only affects the four Yesodes, and therefore, all you have to do is crumble it up and throw it into the wind. Whereas Rabbi Akiva says it reaches the bottom, the most, the most delicate point of it, the sheer existence of it, the Koyeche Yuli, and therefore he would side with Rabbi Yehuda that you have to burn it. In a similar vein, says the Rebbe, we can actually perhaps see it within the Isser Ahana, within the prohibition of deriving benefit of Hametz, in that Isser itself, there's also two ways of looking at it. There's two aspects and it is actually a machlekes. And perhaps this corresponds once again to this uh, difference in idea between the, um, in the idea, the difference between Rabbi Yezer and Rabbi Akiva. What is it? You see, when you say deriving benefit, 
there is deriving benefit as it's termed in halachic terms, a benefit that somehow at the end of the day brings to some kind of eating. What does that mean? I'll explain. That means technically when you derive benefit from something, what do, what do you have? You're deriving benefit from it. So you're having a monetary value. At the end of the day, every benefit has a monetary value. It has a price. Now that money that you are now enjoying, the equivalent of that, you could technically, or by saving the money, you're having enough from this chametz, so you're saving that dollar or two, that dollar or two has a food value at the end of the day. Because that dollar or two can now, can now um, purchase for you food in the equivalent of that amount of money. So that is me- meaning that there is a hanah that comes to you. You derive a benefit. The classical example for it is, let's say, you don't eat the chametz yourself, but you fed your animals with it. Now you have to feed your animals anyway. You can't have them starving. You can't have them go hungry. And therefore, you would have had to, let's say, pay the $10 to feed your animal. Instead of paying the $10 to feed your animal, you took the chametz, which is no longer useful to you, and you fed your animals. So you just saved $10. Well, those $10 you save have a value to you, which even can result at the end of the day in a value of food consumption. And that is That's one type of Hanoah, one type of deriving benefit. However, there's another type of Hanoah, which is that you have absolutely no personal, no direct personal benefit from it. Let's say, for example, if you took the food, you went outside and you fed some stray dogs. You have no ben- direct benefit. You're not saving money by saving you have You don't have any obligation to say, you just threw it out to the dogs and fed them, you know, uh, stray feral dogs out there in the street. In the Yerushalmi, in the Talmud Yerushalmi, that is, there's a machlekes if this type of Hanoah is permitted or not. There's actually an opinion that says, since the Torah says, that chametz should not be eaten. It doesn't say you shall not eat chametz. It adds and it says you it shall not be eaten. That, that, that this opinion derives from that. That even such a hana, such a benefit from the chametz is also prohibited because the Torah says not only that you should not eat it, you should not derive benefit from it, but it shall not be eaten. Says the Rebbe, perhaps we can explain it again according to the Machlekes of Lezer Rabbi Akiva. The question is how far how deep does the Isser of Chametz permeate this thing? If you say that it permeates to the sheer existence of it, the etzem existence of it, then you're not allowed to derive any, then you're not allowed to have, no benefit can be had from it in any way, even if it's not you deriving the benefit, just that no benefit in the world can be derived from it. Now, says the Rebbe, we can use this machlekes, can utilize this machlekes of Rebbe to explain and uh, yet another fundamental thing in Jewish history, also connected to Mitzrayim. And that is, in most places, the way the, the, the enumeration, the breakdown of the four Goliaths, as we mentioned in the introduction, is that Mitzrayim is not included in the four Goliaths, as we spelled out in the introduction. However, on the other hand, there are some Midrashim, that seem to argue with this. In fact, of course, according to Kabbalah, that the four Golasin do begin with Mitzrayim and so on. How do we explain it? How do we explain it? So he says the answer is, the reason why Mitzrayim is not, let's first understand why it's not enumerated in the four Golasin, is because the four Golasin correspond to the four letters of Hashem's name. 
Yud, K, Vav, K. Mitzrayim, however, corresponds to what's called the Koitzah Shel Yud. The Koitzah Shel Yud means the very, very top spot, the very top point, the, 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 the essence of everything, which from the first Yud, before you even begin the Yud, the way you write, uh, the way a Sefer writes, you have to begin with that first stroke, that first dot, that is the Koitzah Shel Yud. Or in, in, in uh, Kabbalistic terms, it can even be referred to as Keser. Now this idea is very similar to the idea, as we said before, of Choymer Hiyuli, of that essential point of existence before it even comes into matter and form. And therefore, if you have to break it down simply, the four Golosin correspond to the four letters of Hashem's name, the, or the four Yesoidois, right? The four elements, whereas Mitzrayim is the Koyach Ayuli. That's how you explain this school of thought that is not included in the account, which is typically the way it appears in the Medrash. However, the other account, which is that Mitzrayim is included, this goes according to the opinion that Mitzrayim corresponds to the level of Chachma, the Yud of Hashem's name, which is also, in a sense, the source for everything, because Chachma is the beginning of all Ishtal Shalus. And according to this opinion, the um, severity of the clip of Mitzrayim only affects the four Yisoides, not the very top, the very fifth Yisoid. Now, let's apply this all in practical uh, usage. Let's. How does this all apply to Avodas Hashem, our spiritual Avodah? You see, Golos Mitzrayim, what does it mean in the terms of Avodah Vayid? That Mitzrayim is mean, comes from the word Mitzarim, Mitzarim Ogvulim, constraints and limitations. That means that a person does his Avodah, but unfortunately, it could be constrained, it can be restricted, it has its limitations. And that's the whole point, you have to have Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. If not, if you don't, then that turns into a Golos, even though you're actively serving Hashem. And here's where the Machlekes comes in. Does the Avodah require that you should affect the ten spheres, which correspond to the four letters of Hashem's name? How is that? How is the breakdown? Malchus, Okay, which is the final hey. That's Machshava Dibur Maisa, thought, speech, and action. Za, the six Midois, that's the Midois, the character traits of a person, which is more inner, it's not an expression yet. Then you have Bina, which is the Seichel, the intellect. And then you have the Yud, the Chachma, which is the idea of Mesirus Nefesh. Is that enough? No, in other words, does that suffice to help a Yid go out of his own spiritual Mitzrayim? Or do you also need to reach a higher point, which is, quote, the Koyach Ayuli, which in the case of a Jew, of a Yid, and Avoid Ruchnis, that would correspond to the Yechidosh of Nefesh. Rabbi Eliezer says, all Makis, every single Makis consisted of four, that you have to have the Avoid in all four kinds of Koyach Nefesh, which is the following. You have the lowest, you know, meaning, starting from the lowest point, which means that you shouldn't be limited you should not be constrained in your Muhammad with the Eight Sahara, in your active war with the Eight Sahara, combating him not to allow him to get you Hasvisholim to bring you down in actual mitzvahs and actual Maisa and Dibar Machshava. Then you have the next point, number two, where is a little more refined, where the Klippas Mitzrayim, how does it affect you? That although indeed you are very careful not to do any avarice and to do everything right, but still your approach to Torah mitzvahs 
has with Hanukkah Sa'elam, you know, with worldly uh, mannerism. In other words, things that go on around you play a very strong role. For example, you, you're worried and you think, you're conscientious about what other people will think about you, how the world will, will see you, how things reflect in the world, and things like that. This corresponds to Midas because the word Midas also means mother do mugbol. It is measured, it is limited. And then you have a step further, that even when you know you're aware of this problem and you try to overcome it, still, your avoida is still somewhat limited. We're going now to the intellect part, the bina part, which is the second, the, the first hay of Shemavaya, where all your avoiders are pitambadas. That means, yes, you do everything above and beyond, but still, it's all according to your logic and rationale. And there's a certain kritos in it, there's a certain coldness in it, because it's limited still to your appreciation of things, your understanding of things. Then there is a fourth point which is even higher and above and beyond. And that's the idea of Mesidus Nefesh, which is beyond Tam Vadas, which is beyond, you know, logic and rationale. So what more can there be? This is a shit of Rabbi Lezer. It sounds pretty good. You're going out of Mitzrayim. You did a four makis. You broke your Mitzrayim. What more can there be? Says the Rebbe, here's where Rabbi Akiva comes in. That there is another step that when you look towards this level, Everything we mentioned is still somewhat considered a hagbala, a limitation of sorts. Why? And the Rebbe brings the story that the Fidik Rebbe shared about a German Jew, an Austrian Jew, a Yeke, that he learned Chassidus and he started to appreciate the idea of what it's all about, what godliness is all about. And he came to the point that when he said Shema, he really now knew what to think, what to contemplate when he says the word Echad. And he expressed that he said, Echad, with the true, with true kavana, fasta eina minuta. That an entire minute he contemplated it. So you see that even though he had the aspect of a Siddhis Nefesh, he went out of himself and he had the excitement and the connection to godliness, but still, at some level, there was some kind of limitation here, some kind of constraint. Because the fact is, he was limited. The fact is, he was able to look at his watch and know how long he did it. He wasn't totally mufshat from all of it, which is an indicator that he didn't totally exit his Mitzrayim. And that's why Rabbi Kiva adds that you have to have the fifth tier, which is that every Makkah consists of five. You have to reach the very essence of your existence and there also go out of Mitzrayim.